Hi, I'm Joanna Robinson. Join us every week on the Prestige TV podcast feed as your favorite ringer hosts like Bill Simmons, Van Lathan, Mallory Rubin, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan, Julia Littman, and many more cover the latest episodes of your favorite TV obsessions. From boardrooms to throne rooms to courtside and through the mushroom apocalypse, we'll be here throughout the week breaking it all down. Subscribe to the Prestige TV podcast feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. For this week's special episode of What About Your Friends, we'll be talking about the many friendships of Barry with my good friend, creative strategist, script writer, Shamal Dauda. Do you like the script writer I threw in there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer till they, it's, it's not a failure till you stop. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to keep this keep this pen game going until, you know, they tell me to put the put down the pen. Oh, my goodness. How have you been doing? <laughs> I haven't seen your face in a while. So I know I'm <laughs> I'm good for me. Selfishly, like all my favorite shows decided to, like, come to an end this year, like Succession, mm. and Barry and all this. So, like, I'm just like I'm just loading up. I'm just getting my like fix now because summer's about to be a bunch of like trash reality tv and like baseball yeah uh, which is not lit i might have to start reading books again which is cool but <laughs> that <know>. is horrible <laughs> <laughs> i got a whole stack of books that like i bought and just like haven't read i remember i was talking to somebody and i forgot what they asked me they were like what do you when you when you think about your life like do you feel like you're having any regrets and i was like not really. I was like, maybe wow. the fact that like, I know it's got this weirdly deep conversation. And I was like, no, nah, maybe the fact that I'm just going to buy more books than I'll ever actually read. That's kind of a bummer. But outside of that, I'm, I, you know, you can't live like that. I'm good. Well, it's funny because that's a very like existential crisis inducing question. And I actually wanted to start off with one of those type of questions. 
<laughs> Let's go. I love existential dread. Because... That's my that's my brand. <laughs> We talk about this all the time. Um, we do. <laughs> because one of the themes that comes up on one of like the best shows ever, Barry, is purpose, right? Like yes. Barry's driven to either find his purpose or forcefully help someone else find their purpose. <laughs> yes. Um, how do you think the show tackles that type of like theme? Oh, man. I... You, I mean, you said exactly right, right? Like it's such a, I mean, uh, you know, obviously like any, any great show is, is going to be driven by, you know, the, the wants and actions and, and obstacles put in front of like its characters. But like when it comes to Barry, what, what, one of the like, things I love is like, it's, it's almost like this, this like chemical entropy. It's like all these different wants and things bumping together and intersecting all it it's so chaotic like it's just like (laughs) one one person's need for you know and and it does a really amazing job of like what what one of my like writing coaches shout out kyle who i met Uh, through you yes kyle uh (laughs) one of you know one of my coaches we talked a lot about like objective and super objective right so on the surface everyone you know for barry it's this idea of like you know it's acting for you know for our boy noho it's you know this idea of like for a while running this you know family and starting his own thing and being with cristobal and all these things but like when you go to that next layer of like what's really driving these people and your point, there's there's like this, everyone just seems to be lost and want to belong to something. There is this just like, at the end of the day, everyone's purpose really, it feels like at the end of the day, they're trying to fill this hole of like, you know, Barry coming from like a military background. And there's a very particular kind of sort of like brotherhood and community that goes with that. And then it's just like you, from the pilot on, you meet him in this like, wildly aimless kind of like way and i think to your point like it makes him so susceptible to like something like an acting class and these people like coming together and and doing this thing um and he he falls for it so hard i think same thing with like noho you know like he has such a particular place in the hierarchy of with the chechnians and then the first opportunity he had like kind of like force gumps his way into like his own situation. He's like, oh, I can build my own family. And to start, he seems much more concerned with building a family than a crime organization, which I think is really dope. Like he's more mm. like the little things that he wants to do with like his new crew and oh, like hanging yeah. out at Dave and Buster's and stuff. It's like so amazing. Sorry, like, when, the, I feel like when the right- FBI storms <laughs> at Dave and Buster's later on... <laughs> Yo, that is one of the, that's one of those Uh, like perfect scenes in Barry where like, you just are sitting there like, who, who thinks of this? Who who breaks this story? Like, I would kill to be in that room when someone goes, you know, you know where their hideout's going to be? (laughs) David David Buster's. Buster's. (laughs) Barry reminds me of like some people you see on social media where like, they very prominently talk about purpose like you know like it's a key phrase and it's like that's yeah. almost how Barry is which is like the minute that Kuzno mentions like purpose or something he's just like oh my gosh like that's it that's what I need to find and I need to like follow this while everyone else like I do agree is kind of lost in figuring things out but they're not placing that like label and I wonder how much pressure Barry puts on himself because he does place like that label of like trying to figure out what his purpose is and also how much people influence 
that purpose. He's very easily influenced. I don't know what you think about that. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think that's what's so, so interesting is like he, it, it, again, like from a like protagonist standpoint, it's like he comes across as such like an empty vessel when you first meet him. At your point, he's so, you know, it's like this acting, you know, class and then the people that he meets in there start pushing him one way. Then the second, you know, going back to like the very, the pilot, Fuchs comes back and all of a sudden it's like, you're not an actor. Like, you're not having a public facing thing when we have this like, this like murder money to make. <laughs> like, you're not then like, he, then he signs up on Facebook. Sudden, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then like, <laughs> yeah. And he's always, and, he, and he, he's always searching for like these like, almost like, father figures in, you know, in Cousineau and Fuchs. And then, and then it's really interesting. You see him then try to be a father himself as we get into that like crazy time jump. And like, I just find it so fat and like the way he just like the stranglehold he has on his son and like the, the level of like, it's, it's almost this like weird overcorrection for what he was really searching for. And like you said, purpose and everything. And like, him really going into a certain kind of like religious like point of view and again searching for a higher purpose like he's to your point the whole thing is driven by these diff playing around with these different ideas of like what his purpose is who dictates it for him how does it change like all of these it's a, it's a really fascinating theme for him and it just like it, it's weird to see where he's like it's interesting to see where he's like zeroing in as this thing yeah but it feels like he's getting pulled back the other direction as the well, show yeah, ends. Well, yeah, because he's, he's, uh, lo- I just remember him being in the car listening to podcasts, like religious podcasts, <laughs> on yeah. when it's okay to kill someone. And he's like waiting. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's it. Like, <laughs> all right, I could go kill. Like, but again, like the influence, I mean, having a higher being influence your purpose is a whole other thing than having humans like influence your purpose. But it's just interesting how he swayed to one side or another because of other people. You know what I mean? But he yeah, always yeah. he always comes back to killing and acting, uh, to trying to find this balance. But how do you talk about purpose? I feel like when we talk about things like this in real life, we never get an answer clearly, which is, I guess, the point of talking about purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my purpose it, like has changed and evolved a lot. And to be fair, like, I never really thought about it as a thing to chase or I didn't really like think I didn't like have like a, I don't know, some kind of like a manifestation board or like whatever and be like, you know, this is going to be my purpose. This is going to be my thing. I think like I've always tried to be a really like open receptacle to what's going on around me. And then I think like trying to be driven by as weird as it sounds, like just what feels good, whether that's like people in my life or creatively or or that kind of stuff. Like, I think there's something to be said for being able to like ride a wave a little bit. Um, You know, and there's, I mean, there's a time you have to like, you in so many ways, you have to commit to things and you gotta like, you you gotta plant your feet in the ground and do all of that. and, And that's, you know, that's a thing. But for me, I don't know, like if there's like, I don't know if like the idea of a singular purpose, like this is the thing I was put on the earth to do feels so like those stakes feel high. That's <laughs> like a lot of that. pressure. That's a lot of yeah. pressure. That's a lot of, it's the stuff, it's the stuff that's great for script writing, but like yeah. as a human, like I, like I had a little bit in terms of purpose and like us kind of joking about like my screenwriting stuff, like that was one of those things where I 
I felt like I found a lot of purpose in screenwriting. I did a lot of things for me in a really interesting inflection point in my personal life and my career in a way that I didn't even know I needed. And it, it was one of those things where screenwriting was like, I, it was so weird. I've always grown up, I'm like a massive TV film, you know, per, I, I've been absorbing media since I was like a very small child and like voracious amounts. But like screenwriting always felt so opaque to me. There's nobody in my life. There's nobody that was like, oh, you could go write TV shows. I was like, what? What do you mean? Like it never felt like a thing until probably you and a handful of my mm-hmm. our friends were like, you know, you could just go do that, right? Like you, yeah. like you have to learn. It's going to be hard. You're going to be bad at it for a very long time, but then you're going to get good at it and and move another direction. Like that, that was a huge shift for me. And that it's given me a lot of purpose, honestly, like more recently in a way that like I didn't really expect. So it's this balance of like, I don't know, being open to these things, but like, but what about you? You're, you're such a like multi-hyphenate creative that I feel like, do you feel singular purpose? No, I mean, I think I didn't think of having to define my purpose until it became like a buzzword or until I had to sell uh, Illy to people, like sell your own quote unquote brand or company to people. Then I'm like, oh, I need like a one liner. And then all of a sudden, that's what it just became of just like, so what like and you know this, you know, we go to like especially industry events and everyone wants to know what you do and you have to kind of sell sell yourself even though you don't want to sell your, I don't even want to be oh, here. Why I'm, am I even selling myself yeah. to begin with? Yeah, I just, but I, I heard yeah. there was going to be free drinks here. I'm not trying to. I know. <laughs> and I feel like that, I feel like that's like in those type of environments or with people that are very career driven, that's when this like question of like, so what's the point of you? And I'm just like, I don't, what? I'm supposed to know. It's like you said, it's mad pressure. But I do think that I agree with you that like that naturally like comes about like what you are meant to do. I guess I'll say that what you're meant to do based off what feels good to you. Like I completely agree with that. But it's mad pressure when people all of a sudden it's a buzzword and they're like, what's your purpose? And I'm just like, can I just keep that between me and God? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't know. <laughs> I like that. It's just, it, but it's interesting, like you said, of how it, how it's portrayed here. Because again, like there's mad pressure or Barry, I don't know, Barry puts mad pressure on himself to figure this out. And once he knows what it is, he's just like, okay, I'll do anything to just like follow this purpose. Um, which right. is interesting. Like once he's exactly like once he it, 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 exactly it's that weird dichotomy of like feeling like he's really easily influenced and wishy washy, but for those small iterations where he feels like definitive about something, he will to the point of like end a life yes. <laughs> to you know one of my one of my favorite things I, I love especially more and more with this last season getting to hear um you know bill Hader specifically like talk about the character and he always laughs he's like people there there was such in the first season there's so much sympathy for barry like everybody was like you know barry just like oh my heart barry and all this stuff and people were like oh sally's so annoying and blah blah and all this stuff it's like Brooke kills people. Like he <laughs> and, and there's and it's unequipped. There's no, there's like no gray area about it. Like he he makes decisions and kills people for either money or to drive. To your point, it stops being about money and he has to do it to keep a certain personal agenda or purpose intact. Like he kills to not <laughs> kill anymore, which is interesting. Exactly, yeah, like, it's like it's, crazy. It's like <laughs> and it's not noble, but people like, but that's how good the writing is, and that's how good that show is, where you walk away just like 
rooting for Barry. I mean, when he at, at the end of season three, like when when he finally gets caught, my after the like shock of that episode and how well it's done and whatever, I sat there and I all I could think of was like, I can't wait for him to break out of prison. <laughs> like, that's, all, that's like all we just fucked. I was like, dude, I'm like, he's gonna figure what it out. I don't know it? how. What do know. you think is the sympathy <laughs> for Barry? Like, we want him to win. <laughs> Oh no, we're, it says more about all of us than. And it at does. the same, like, what does it mean that we find Doho Hake so endearing? I mean, actually, I think that's actually easier to answer. Like, look at he. My favorite scene is him and Cristobal in bed watching YouTube videos. And they're eating popcorn <laughs> and they're talking about how Barry is his friend. And like, it's just oh, like, yeah. I have. What is this? No, I'm going to. There's this. What did he say? Oh, so Cristobal is like, your little boyfriend buddy killed all my buddies. And, he, <laughs> and then he goes, you have some buddies. I have no buddies. And I'm like, this is amazing. But it's also, like it encapsulates oh. also, I guess, my favorite friendship, which is Noho Hank and Barry of like, no matter what Barry does, Noho Hank wants to give him more chances. Sometimes he kind of wants to kill him, but mostly he just wants to give him more chances to be his friend back like yeah this this last season's the only season that feels like a real uh dissolution of that friendship like that i think it was maybe in the second episode or in those first because they kind of the first two came back to like the same night um but where they have that call from prison like barry calls and picks up the collect Mm -hmm. call and they just go in on each other and it was i think in, in the way that like friends and loved ones have a unique ability to do this in both directions, I feel like it was almost the first time in the entirety of the show, maybe a little bit with Cristobal and Hank, but like where they were getting through the facade of what they have been trying to be, what they want to be, whatever. And we're just telling me like, this is what you are. And this is what you are. And like that line where like, Noho just like you take and you take. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. It was a it's such a good scene. And it's so, and it's it was such a payoff to your point of like it it stung and you really felt this like uh oh, just this the the snapping of this of this friendship and this relationship because to your point, Noho had so much blind faith. He just was like, Barry's my guy. Like when they, I think you and I talked about this when um <laughs> When they met, it's like, I think it's season two or season three, like, meet some other assassin and, like, Noho's trying to show out. He's like, this is Barry. It's my best friend. I know. <laughs> Wait, there was a point where he said, I think he's the Air Jordan of assassins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like, oh, but I think, what I, I think what makes me also, like, love Noho Hank, even though he's also a killer, uh, is, like, just how tender he wants to be. In general, yeah. also, right? Because you in, mentioned, in like, all the sweet things he wants his buddies to do, his other assassin friends. Um, and I think what also, I guess, I feel sympathy because Barry's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, like, kind of puts crimes on him and doesn't say, like, otherwise. Like, and Barry's still all for it. I mean, Noho Hank is still all for it. Like, he comes back over and over again and still tries to be friends. Like, I think Barry truly doesn't really care about, as far as friends go, anyone but Kusuno. I don't know how you feel about that because I feel like, 
I mean, also like Fuchs, I don't really care for Fuchs, but like th- that's like a three, there's a three, there's a three-way friendship between Fuchs, uh, Noho Hank and Barry. And I feel like all of, they're both kind of fighting to like be this friend for Barry. They both tell him that, that he's their best friend. And Barry's just like, yeah, cool. I just want to get to Kusno. Like, I just like, sure, I'll kill. I just want to go back to acting with my coach. Yeah, I don't, well, I, you know, what's interesting is like, I, I don't know if he really cares about anyone. Like, I, I think the, I think his ability to just move the fulcrum of a relationship so quickly based on what he's going through and what he like, anytime there's an obstacle, you just can almost in real time see it shift. Like, and it's, it's, it's that, it's that classic, like, charm that you hear about that comes with like with sociopaths where he just has the ability to like again beginning of this last season he had me for a second where i was like oh man him and fuchs are really gonna like reunite like this is you know they're on the ground like i love you da, da, da. yeah the second he gets to jettison him <laughs> he's yeah. out like he, you know and like and then you remember you're like oh that's who he actually is like he just keeps reminding you who he is and you're like oh man this is brutal (laughs) not that not that anyone has done you as dirty as barry has done to (laughs) (laughs) but what's been like a last straw in friendships for you where you're like nah i I can't do this anymore (laughs) i i look at dissolutions of friendships or the idea of that as very like again it's like what's about writing it's like you don't really fail until you've like until it's done or you quit. Like, right. I think there's always a way back to people if they want hmm. there to be. And, and that, and that can take time that lots of time. <laughs> I can yeah, say lots like, of time. Yeah. Lots of time, lots of, <laughs> you know, things that have to happen. It can take unexpected life. You know, weird things in life can bring perspective that like, you know, having kids, losing family, Very true. you know, yeah. all this crazy shit can really change. So, I, I never like I don't look I, I don't look at anybody and go like I could never blah blah whatever. But people were like the relationship definitely changed. I think the one that jumps to mind to me was I guess a a set a set of circumstances arose where I, I think like <laughs> a couple of friends had an opportunity to sort of like really you know, it sort of my my character was called into question. Mm, okay. And, and instead, I, I guess, of taking like a pretty big sample size of life <laughs> and looking at that as like who I am is kind of like made a snap decision about like who I was, what I did in this moment and all these things. And we're just like, out. The final straw was for me is I realized that like it, it, it allowed, it was one of those things where it opened up a lot of conversations and I got to, I got to feel like, oh, wow, you've actually, I thought you thought this of me. But you actually like quietly have been harboring this opinion of me where you think I like that I'm this person. And like now you're just kind of saying the quiet part out loud now. That's a good reason. It's like a a shot, a shot at your character. I was actually talking with Joe Robinson from The Ringer about Yellow Jackets. And we talked about like this, like you really just want to be seen by the people that you love, by your friends, romantic partners. And I feel like the minute that you feel like someone doesn't really see you or doesn't like accept you for who you really are, you're like, all right, is this worth it? Like, is <laughs> is it worth being your friends if you don't actually are open to seeing who I am? And I think that just kind of like is tied to this where you're like, if this is what you think of me, 
and it's wrong and you're good with it being <laughs> wrong, then maybe this doesn't need to continue. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, like, I certainly, like, the account of this situation was it, it unequivocally wrong. But I think, like, the truth of, like, who I am or who I'm not as a person is, is more complicated. And I think to your point, that's the idea of like being seen. I think to have the space to be imperfect in people's eyes and like still hold on to that, that's been, a, but that, to me, that's been a real blessing. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. You said that, like you said that you don't really think that Barry cares for anyone. Um, and again, I like, I feel like it's amazing when people call Barry their best friend and Barry's just like, no, nah, I'm good. Um, have you, <laughs> have you ever had someone claim that you're their best friend and you're like, oh nah, my, I don't oh think my God. so. <laughs> this triggered you a little. <laughs> this is a symptom of all the years working in entertainment. Oh, yeah. Do you know so-and-so at, you know, this company? And it's like, oh, yeah, that's my guy. Oh, blah, blah, blah. That's my dude. Yo, blah, blah, blah. You had drinks with them once no. at a backstage area <laughs> at La Palooza. And now you're out here talking like you're their, like, the godfather of their child. And it's like the difference between, like, this is an acquaintance. This is a ex-colleague. Yeah. This is a best friend. There's a lot of ways to describe relationships with people. <laughs> And the laziness of defaulting to like, this is my best friend. This is my person. Yeah. This is my ball ball, whatever. Da, da, da. It's like, have you earned that? It's like, 
if you couldn't pass this 10 question quiz about me, why would you, <laughs> in what world would you think that you're my best friend? I get it when people, when people ask about like more so for context, right? To get something, to get somewhere, do you know this person? And it's funny because I'm always just like, no, I, I know them, but only on social. Like, I get so specific. They're like, we just want their email. <laughs> like, I'm like, I swallow yeah. them on social media, but I don't know them like that. Or like, oh, yeah, like I've seen them somewhere. They're like, Erica, just give me their email. And I'm like, oh, OK, but I'm sorry. I try to give as much specifics because like if I were them like you, I'd be like, excuse me. Like, I don't know you. Like, so Fuchs, like Barry and Fuchs, as far as like friends go. I, I wrote this down. Fuck this friendship. I don't know how you feel about <laughs> about Barry and the Raven. Like, come on. The Raven. <laughs> I love when they started calling him other names while they were in prison. Um, but how how do you feel about that long lasting, right? Friendship. Like it, it's long lasting. Yeah. But is it a friendship? God, it can be so many things. Again, I think a really important thing I've had to learn as I've gotten older is this idea that like, we talk about it a lot in like romantic relationships, this idea of like rechoosing your person and your partner kind of every day and like all the time. But I, I think, you know, we know how crazy and meaningful friendships can be in our lives. We know how crazy friendship breakups can feel. So like, why wouldn't you give them that same sort of like scrutiny in that way? I think the longest lasting relationships of any kind are the ones that have the ability to kind of like grow and evolve at the same pace in the same direction, kind of at a similar velocity sort of thing. And I, you know, that is a relationship that got, I don't know, it's hard to say if it was ever healthy. Like, you know, it was like, it was like employer, employee, it was like mentor, father figure again. He was trying to fill so many he accounted for so many things in his life. I, I, so let's for baseline say at one point <laughs> this was a relationship they or liked a friendship each other that, yeah liked yeah him. okay yeah. exactly <laughs> well enough i think like it's the evolution of watching him go like this person doesn't have my best interests at heart or he doesn't when, when we're aligned but the second that i need something different than him he's like right there to remind me that like this this relationship is not even. And like, I need to get my shit together. Otherwise, like the Chechenians are going to kill me. And as soon as like, it's just an interesting exercise in like, when when is it okay to like, stop honoring a relationship that's like not working? Like, and sometimes it goes, and what's crazy, you know, sometimes it's easy, right? Sometimes you get to have like, it's like a big bang, you know, you get to have your like scandal moment, <laughs> like, and you, and you know what to do. And it's, and, <laughs> yes. and you, and you feel like everybody feels very clear about their feelings on it. And then the harder ones are the ones that kind of fizzle, right? The feed, the ones that just like, you start like seeing that person's text and you're like, and you get like a little, little pain in your chest. You're like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this right now. And it kind of like, and it just starts to creep on you before you, and like, you know, like you, you and I talked a lot about Banshees of Inisherin, <laughs> like off, Ooh. like separately. Yeah, and the idea that like someone just being able to be like, I don't fuck with you anymore. Yeah. I'm not your friend anymore. <laughs> like, and that's okay. My life has moved evolved to a place where the best version of me doesn't include you. It's a real thing where you do have to like evaluate a friendship. You take a step back. Yeah. when expectations aren't met, or and you're like, wait, is this friendship? still working for me like and I think you have to like put all these feelings and self-conversations together 
and kind of like evaluate the friendship. If you're at that point, you're like, okay, I do feel this way or I don't feel this way, which is my indicator of this isn't working for me anymore. But I do think there's something there of like checking in with a friend or with yourself about a friendship as to like, does this still feel good for who I am right now? I think I I mentioned this again about like Barry and who he's friends with, which you think is no one. But what about Kusuno? Like, do you not think that he really does love Kusuno besides (laughs) saying it and then forcing him to say it back to him twice? No, I don't think he does because he... So exactly what we talked about. His new purpose is this this new crazy life with Sally and their son. Mm-hmm. That is that's his new equilibrium and his new purpose. It's God, wife, son, country's probably thrown in there, like just for the sake <laughs> yeah. of it. Like the second they, there's like that like deadline article that a film might get made that jeopardizes that equilibrium. That guy's got to go. He's like, immediately. He didn't even hesitate. He's like, I need, the episode literally ends on, I need to go kill Gene Cousineau. Cut. Like, yeah. it's made to black. I'm like, it tells you every, like, no one is, is immune to that. You mentioned offline of like, this being a transactional friendship. I think they, I think they, I think they goes back to like, they all are for Barry. Mm-hmm. I, I think like, I think everything may, <sighs> You could you could make an argument. I was I was gonna say with the exception of like I I think the one pure non transactional love he has had in this show has been for his son. I, was I think say, that's about yeah. I think that's about it. Even Sally to a point to where like I think if she went off like out of pocket too much and he thought that it was putting his son in jeopardy. I don't know if he wouldn't kill her, which is crazy, <laughs> like, which is like pretty wild. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't look at a single, when you draw this like web chart of his relationships, I don't look at a single one that's, if there's a better transaction to have that sets up a better dynamic over here that he won't take that. Everyone else, I think you could point to one person that they truly well, I guess I, I guess for him it's his son, but everybody else I think they have a a, a true love. Like Kusuno's not much better. He's a, he's a he's a non murderous sociopath, um, but he ha- he exhibits. So that's why his relationship with Barry is so interesting. <laughs> they exhibit short of the ability to like commit homicide at like will. Um, they share a lot of the same attributes, and I think you got the worst version of him. When he lost Janice, like, I think that was the one person that for once he really, he loved more than himself. Like, and when that went away, then all the worst parts of him and the the parts of him that are much more like Barry started to reveal themselves. For Janice to be the only person and then like to lose her. And that's another thing that the show does incredibly is like, it doesn't take death for granted, right? Like, a lot of shows, I think, like, you wouldn't be in the fourth and, like, final season and, like, still talking about this person who died in the first season. True. If her weight, if it didn't have weight, you know? They don't they don't treat it like some flimsy, like, plot device to just, like, get us out of this situation and into the next season and have a cliffhanger and all this stuff. Like, it, it, it drives people. It drives Kusuno. It drives her dad. It drives, it follows all of them around until the bitter end like it's 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 crazy 
Um, and it's 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 smart. If there's like a friendship that I don't know is a friendship is Sally and Natalie as far as <laughs> <laughs> like, are they oh, even friends? No. Also, Natalie like, having uh, her Natalie having her moment is lit. I'm whew, so for the, it. Yes. Oh, the, uh, the elevator scene uh, that derailed <laughs> Sally's career and life, actually. Um, yeah, truly. Was was amazing. Um, and I think that that's I mean, I've questioned it since we first met Natalie and Sally, because we met them at the same time. And of like, you know, Natalie is a people pleaser. And I feel like Sally needs to be needed. So it's like a perfect match in that case. But they're not they're not friends. Do you no. think it's also just more so uh, they can't be friends because they're in the same field and they want the same thing? Yeah. Ultimately, I think that's part of it. I think what I also find fascinating about it and like as a, as a relationship or like friendship trope is the little insight you just start to get when you get that glimpse into like what after seeing the way that Natalie was treated and dealt with in their friend dynamic, the second she got a little bit of power and she had somebody that she could like mentor and break that cycle. She's like low key taking digs at. She's like, you know, we almost fired you episode two, right? <laughs> like just reminding her where she sits in the food chain. <laughs> like, yeah. My favorite relationship on this show is Cristobal and Noho Hank. Um, of course. I knew we, and, we had to get here. <laughs> to get I here. mean, it's just, it's, it's so tender and it's so real. It started they as a go, friendship as many it started rom- as a friendship. romances do. Like. Exactly. They go from selling <laughs> drugs to selling sand, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the um, like, but I think what m- makes this special, and I think they mentioned it as to like why they work, is their honesty. And I think they try to like better one another more, Cristobal, t- with Noho Hank than the other way around. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel about that friendship slash relationship? I think it's one of the most beautiful on TV, honestly. (laughs) Straight up. I just, I think it's beautiful. When you compare the things that two people had to go through to have their love, I don't know if you can compare it to anybody else. (laughs) The The end of season three... The like the the like Noho Hanks like diehard moment to like get up out of there and like save Cristobal like has there been a better rescue of a partner in the last like <laughs> ten year like especially with his character arc right because it wasn't of course like whatever animals on the other side of that wall you know having to like kill people all that stuff sure it's who he was as a character what he had to overcome internally. And, and be like, the one thing that matters to me that I would actually risk it all for can quiet out all of this stuff. And then for all of a sudden, for, and then, then the man that that turns him into is incredible. Like, that's like, if that's not one of the greatest love stories of all time, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just. I can't get over the sand pit scene. I the audibly sand gasped. Scene, <laughs> <laughs> was so traumatizing. I, uh, I mean, it was oh, <laughs> and the, also just the fact that they're selling sand, like they're they're like, I don't. It's just it's an amazing. It's just an amazing storyline through throughout like their relationship. Through and through. But, I mean, but when yeah. I tell you, I was sweating during that. <laughs> You, you like, it's how did we those, know like, that's how it was going to happen? It was just, 
Yeah. I know. And like that's, and it's, you know, someone like someone said to me once about like some of the best scenes in like TV or film, where it's like things that are like obviously unexpected. Once you went through the journey of it, you're like, oh, of course, like you, you, it did the work to set up all of the, the character and narrative and everything to like, to get to that. But when it happened, it was still like, what the fuck? Like? Yes. <laughs> what? Like, I just, I, and even going back, I watched that episode so many times and like watching it again, I'm like looking for like visual cues, right? I'm like the way they shot it, I should have known. I like, it was just all these things should have like maybe given you a sense of dread. And it just like still hit me like a, I almost flipped my coffee table over. I I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I should have, I've like, I should have known when Noho Hank's like, all right, come on, like Chris Ball, come on. Like he just wants him to come with him. Only and him, I still, yeah. Yeah, and I still didn't get it. And I was like, what a play in the sand. Like, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it happened. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I did want to ask you to close this like episode of like the most epic moments. That is going to, re- I mean, we talk about Atlanta scenes, right? We talk about one Atlanta scene over and over again. What is that type of scene for you from Barry, where we just are going to keep talking about it forever? What's crazy about Barry and like, oh, it's it's such a, like a character driven thing. And it's it's so nuts. But at the heart of it, there there is still this like hitman action premise and what i love is that they don't like lean on action they, they kind of give you like just enough action to remind you that it's that kind of thing so basically the scene that led to his prison break when fred armison just pops up and tries to say he like we're very saying there oh, he goes oh my gosh he he's goes, gonna kill that me guy, <laughs> that guy's here to kill me and they, go, they go what like and then like it's this mixture oh my god it's this mixture of like slapstick but like action and like all these things and then when the guy basically is just shooting through the roof and <laughs> Barry always has this look of like what the and he just like yeah. and then he snaps into like it's almost instinctual and then he goes into like that that one is like Barry at its best it's always in these moments that like kind of remind you like oh yeah he doesn't just get to have this life like he doesn't get to just have these relationships. Like there's actually like real stakes. Like he's been, he's been killing people. People want to kill him. He's going to have to kill more people. Like it's, but it's done in such a way. And they're always like the funniest moments in that show. And again, for a show that I don't think trivializes death, I don't think they, it's not this like zany, like, let's see how high we can get the body count kind of thing. It's just like, but it's still just absolutely ridiculous when like, yeah, no, these things happen. I mean, I just know how Hank's moments, like I just thought of like the accordion player when he's trying to like, you know, give this like very meaningful thank you to Barry. And then like, um, this guy, is it's an accordion, right? Like he comes out playing yeah. and he's like, oh, come on. <laughs> Which ends up like backstabbing him later. Or like the, just uh, him wearing a poncho at the Mexican like restaurant with Cristobal. Like little things that Noho Hank does or the, his like character of like, yeah, I'm like, a, I might be a serial killer, but there's this tender side. You know that, you know, that gets me. So no, there's I know, so absolutely. many moments. Yeah, I mean, Hank as a body of work. I mean, there, there's not, you know, Anthony Kerrigan, like that actor. There's not a moment where he just doesn't light it up. I mean, it is, he's, again, another character that I think will go down and like. It's a subtleness. It's a subtleness. It's like even yes. in the verge of like, with how stressed he is with everything going on and Barry escaping from jail, whatever, he's like, we got to throw a celebration for the completion of like the sand project. Like, and there's like cocktail servers and like gambling and like, 
I'm it's just sorry, like, but he's David like, Buster's when they're going around the circle and like him and Cresabar are just oh talking. Oh my god! And, and then they give a presentation. Pitch? Someone oh. comes in and wants the room, and no, I was like, we have this for another hour, and like that's just those little things that are so <laughs> normal, I guess, or like he very human is what I appreciate. But again, we could go on and on about Noho Hank. Uh, Absolutely. So I will. But now I'm crying. So I will end this here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank you for joining me. Oh, this is the best. This is awesome. Thank you for letting me hang. Of course. If anyone has any thoughts about Barry, we clearly won't want to know. Email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.